I had a mate who was, he crashed at mine and he opened the door and he's like, yo, dude, um, check Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, what? And he's like, you're on the bill for Ultra. back to the JC Podcast and thanks for tuning in for another episode the JC Podcast presents. Today I have the pleasure of talking to Brandon and Holden, who collectively are known as Nasty Boys. They've been taking the Sydney club scene by storm over the last couple of years, whilst also making an impressive debut at Ultra Australia earlier this year. Boys, first off, how are we? And thank you for being on the podcast. Yo. Yo, yeah, we're good. Well, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> Very good. Awesome. What have you guys been up to whilst in isolation? During isolation? Yeah, so during isolation, what I've been doing is, um, obviously, it was a bit confusing and all at the beginning, but um, right now, I've been looking into other interests that I've had, like, you know, I started picking things back up, like cooking, you know, cutting hair, uh, you know, boxing and stuff that I've also been interested in, because I know right now wasn't the time to really like focus on DJing because it became a bit yeah. too difficult. I mean, in the beginning we did a live stream, you know, we did a really cool live stream and then, you know, we'll ask to do a couple of more, but I think that all kind of dies out. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, we've been, I mean, yeah, we've been focusing on stuff that's like irrelevant to DJing, just like to take a break from it. Cause we were doing it every weekend and we like at the yeah. start, we sort of did a few podcasts and then, and then yeah it was good to take a break from it so is it nice to is it nice to relax and kind of reflect on the the past couple of years and you know you know i can say you know all the success you guys have had to kind of just take a a break and kind of look back and then also look towards the future and you know decide what you guys want to continue doing yeah exactly yeah i think it's been really good because having the downtime you can sort of you can see where you want to go next sort of thing Awesome. And now the, yeah. the world obviously has shut down over the last couple of months and the entertainment industry has been affected by it, unfortunately. Um, do you think that coronavirus is going to have an impact on the way music is going to be played live in the future? Or um, will it slowly kind of fade away and everything will just go back to normal in terms of a, you know going to the club and you guys being able to DJ at events and stuff? I reckon that it, like, if it doesn't go back to what it was, then I don't really want to be a part of it, Yeah. personally. Like, um, the whole being in the crowd and having the, like, the way, the way that festivals came about and how DJs interact with the crowd in that way. Like, I'm sure everyone else wouldn't want to be a part of it either unless it yeah. goes back to exactly what it was. Yeah, but I totally like, agree. I like, I feel like you, you can't be stripped of something you know. Like yeah. there's no point going backwards and trying to make something work because then you're forcing it. Like unless, you know, we can play hammer tracks and the crowd can go nuts and it can be <laughs> over capacity. They're yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I, 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 that's just not for me, you know? That's not why I started doing it. That's not why Holden started doing it. So there wouldn't be any position for us in that kind of world. But like, hopefully it goes back to what it used to be in yeah. terms of like, you know, just, about the music and the people, but if it's going to be even half, maybe 70% of that, like less than 70% of that, then I don't really think anyone would really go back to it fully because that's just forcing it, isn't it? 
Well, and we also have to like, um, like change always happens. Like this change is going to happen. Yeah. So we have to like sort of adapt to that, but we'll see where it goes from there. Well, DJs are kind of, you know, Europe is, I'm not sure if it's happened in Australia already, but there's been a big trend across Europe of doing these social distancing concerts. We have people in clubs sitting on chairs, just watching a, a live performance go on. Um, is that something you guys would be open to or is that along the lines of something you just wouldn't do at all? It'd be dumb not to go, like it'd be dumb to stay out of it because if, if we stay out of it, then we'll lose our like, reputation sort of thing and yeah. we'll just sort of be forgotten. So I feel like we probably just a, have, have to. Like, yeah, I think from a standpoint of supporting um, Sydney and supporting the clubs, uh, I reckon we'd go back to it. Just if, if it had to be like that, we'd go back to just to support the nightlife and whatever. Just like a little sacrifice in the meantime. Yeah. But um, yeah, Europe's looking good with that, with those events. But I guess it's it depends how many DJs they can have on a night, you know, like and how many clubs can do that in Sydney, because yeah. it's all about the layout and everything. So yeah, I mean it's all dependent on like the situation. But yeah, if, if the opportunity arose, I don't think we'd say no. Like, we'd, we'd, we want to support Sydney Lightlife. Like, that's what we're about, you know what I mean? Well, let's, let's hope it goes back to normal as soon as possible so you guys can get back, get back out there. For the meantime, though, we'll dive back into uh, your journey so far as a duo. Uh, so if we go all, all the way back to the start and just quickly, what, what was music like to you as you were growing up? And when did Nasty Boys, you know, become a thing? When when did you uh, decide that this was something you guys wanted to pursue together? Um, with the company started, so we started with the company. Yeah. In 2013, which um, I think when you're nine or you're ten, yeah. and then Holden and I read this like school group project, where like they said, do something along the lines of do something you want to do in the future and present it to the year group. And we decided to do DJing. So we had like, oh, cool. like a lesson or two every week for like four weeks, four weeks or six weeks, you reckon, no one? Yeah, it was, it was a while. Cause it was like a, one of those projects before you went to senior school. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And we do that and we chose DJing. So we just bring DJ decks in and speakers <laughs> and like, like literally an hour, like an hour or two. We looked up. We looked up to all those other like all those other DJ companies who who would yeah, like yeah, Generation Mute and stuff like generation that. Generation Mute and yeah. all that, and like all the DJs who DJ in clubs and stuff. And we and we were like, we want to be the ones because we go to a lot of house parties and we're like, oh, wait, we can go. And was that yeah. the work? Was that the idea behind? Uh, your entertainment company was from going to house parties and definitely 110% because we'd, we'd find out like what we do, what we do, we kind of get like our Christmas presents and stuff in high school and birthday presents were yeah. just like DJ equipment and stuff because obviously you're, you're you're young and you're poor, so we just yeah. get presents from our parents and it'd be like a piece of equipment, and then over time you'd build up and build up and build up, and over the years you'd be like, look, we've got this huge setup like. <laughs> And then we go to smash house parties. But yeah, it all started from that project we were doing. And we just DJed and jammed out like for two hours, a couple of times a week for this, pro, for this um, class. I don't know what class it was. And um, yeah, and then we presented the project to the, to the school group. And all we did to get like a good mark, and we got a really good mark was 
do a DJ set for a whole school group and like make like okay. a, a, a like a graphic called Ma called Master Boy Entertainment. Oh, and then yeah. And then you guys were playing at these house parties as Nasty Boys, as a duo together? Um, a few of them. Like, we'd even do ones by ourselves. We'd do ones together. We'd do everything. Awesome. And then, and then so obviously you're doing this throughout high school. And then eventually, um, after high school, how did you guys get into the club scene in Sydney? And I also understand that you weren't just playing in clubs in Sydney, you're also producing events for uh, major entertainment venues such as Greenwood and uh, Home the Venue as well. So how did that all start? Uh, it probably started from your shot, I think. Like we got, we, 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 we were playing at Greenwood first off, like yeah. when we were really young, like, like I was like 17. And <laughs> And we like snuck in and pretended we were 18, still DJs. But um, uh, we got uh, Jordan Small, who um, sort of acts as the semi-manager for us at the moment. Yeah. Like he sort of helped us out get our first gig at Greenwood. And then from there, we played Greenwood Thursdays and that was like hugely popular with our year group when we were yeah. like just leaving school. And then from there, like we sort of struggled to get into like any other clubs like laundry and well bar until we we met some people at your shot who um who had all the connections to help us play there so yeah. from there so we sort of met like just made connection after connection for those and, who don't um for those who don't know who what your shot is do you mind just explaining what is i understand it's a dj competition. oh yeah it's like a it's a dj competition um yeah, it's sort of, it's just, it's mostly just good for networking. And it's, it's good. Yeah. It, it, it teaches people how to DJ properly. Oh, okay. And they, and they send someone overseas, like, who wins to play. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good competition. I highly recommend for anyone listening to this who's thinking, thinking about DJing, definitely go your shot. Like, even if you don't win, you make heaps of connections. And anyone that went to your shop came out with like four or five gigs around, or maybe yeah. even more. And they just, it's a good building. Building thing, I don't know the word. Building block. Awesome. So um over the last couple of years you guys have been playing um at all these different venues in Sydney and also as you mentioned pr promoting events. Um and then late last year you guys found out that you guys would be playing at Ultra Australia um this year. First off, what was the reaction like when you guys found out that you guys, you know, be playing at this massive festival? And also, what was the process of auditioning for a festival like that? I mean, we'll take turns, I guess. My reaction when we found out we were playing for Ultra was like, oh, I remember this. You know what happened, yeah? Yeah. I was all sleeping. And um, I had a mate who was, he crashed at mine. And he opened the door and he's like, yo, dude, um, check Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, what? And he's like, you're on the bill for Ultra. Because oh I'll, I'll like manager Jordan said he was going to, you know, tee it up. And we were talking about it for such a long time. And yeah. we, we, we never got confirmation, like at all, like it was going to happen. We just sent our press pics, you know, they said they like, wanted someone young and fresh from the area. And 
And we're just like, yeah, whatever. If we get it, we get it. If we don't, we don't. And then we're just on the bill out of nowhere. And that was like, <laughs> fuck, that day was hectic. <laughs> Pretty good. And so was that done all through your manager or did you guys have to prepare a, a mix or some form of audition? It's through Jordan, the manager. Yeah. Just Jordan, yeah. It's sort of, you can't really get in touch with anyone who organises that stuff unless you've got someone to do it for you, sort of thing. And for someone who, mm. who's never been to Ultra Australia or any festival um, for that matter, can you explain to them that the amount of effort that goes into the weeks before when you're preparing to play in front of so many different people? We sort of, I don't know, a lot of our preparing is more like, I don't know, we get, we get keen and, and nervous and stuff, but we, yeah. we usually just have like one little session and um, just pick the music we want to play. And then we don't really, we don't make a set list or anything. We just sort of play what we want to play on the day. So there's actually not as, there's a lot of prepa- uh, preparation like leading up to it in terms of like organising and stuff, but not really so much for not so much organising of music. Yeah. It's like, um, how do you say it? It's like, it's more mental preparation. Yeah. Like you kind of like have to, because even Holden can back this, when you get told that, you, you know you deserve it. We knew we deserved it. Like we were doing, we were DJing two, in two days, we'd do five gigs sometimes. Like we knew yeah. we worked up for it. But it was just like family and friends saying, oh, wow, look what you've done. Like soaking it all in. And then like in the beginning, Holden, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't really feel like it's happening. Like you don't really feel like it's going to happen. Yeah, you like, don't, yeah. But then when it gets to that, like, two yeah. days before, you kind of... Pretty scary, like, yeah. yeah. It's, like, and before you go on, it's scary, like, it's so scary. <laughs> but once you play your first, once you play your first song, it's like, you don't really worry about anything else, like, once you played your first song. Can you take us, can you give us a little bit of insight into what that day is actually like? Obviously, you turn up. Um, a couple of hours beforehand. What are you guys actually doing before you're getting to meet artists? Are you just, you know, walking around, kind of taking it all in? What's happening in those hours before you go on? Mm. Um, it's pretty. It's, we're pretty quiet. Like, yeah. we have a few drinks, walk around, like, sort of prepare ourselves. But like, yeah, but just before we go on, it's like pretty quiet. Like we get. Get, yeah, you yeah, don't get like high. You don't like walk around like yeah. jumping around and stuff. You kind of like, you kind of like, you're really um, introverted in that moment. You kind of just keeping to yourselves, you know, talking about other things other than this, other than the set. Like you don't talk about anything yeah. to do with the set until you get there. Yeah. And then like yeah, once you once you've got your, like your triple A, you're looking around the stages and you start seeing bands of like the really big artists coming in. Then it starts, it creeps up on you minute by minute, hey. Minute mm. by minute, I'd say. Then you, when you get on the stage, you're like, fuck, all right. You're like, <laughs> oh, shit, okay, it's, yeah, we're here now. And then when you hear your first song, you get into the groove of it, then that's when you take it all in. Like, you, yeah. you start to remember everything everyone said, like, they're proud of you, do well, we're going to kill it. You start thinking about all of that stuff while you're playing, and it makes you happy and shit. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's a vibe in that. Do you guys know how many people you were playing in front of? It must have been a couple of thousand people. Oh, not for the early set, but like, what you you're playing to everyone that's walking in, so it keeps yeah. changing. Oh right, I see. 
it keeps changing and stuff. And you're, you're on a stage where people can hear your music, you know, 100 meters out, 100 meters left, 100 meters right. So yeah. you, you can attract people and stuff like that. Yeah. Awesome. So you guys spoke a little bit about um, you know, growing up and how you guys started as a duo and kind of looking up to, you know, DJs a couple, couple of years above you. But from a more broader, broader perspective, what, what was your musical inspiration, um, you know, growing up and, you know, wanting to become a DJ? Who did you guys look up to? And that will kind of lead into also what kind of music you guys like to play live as well. Hmm. I think both of our inspirations would be sort of similar, but some would also be different. Yeah. I think like, I, I think like my first sort of inspiration was like watching the Tomorrowland, like after movies and stuff. <laughs> Um, but then it, then it like sort of ter- like more recently is like turned into like the, the boiler room sets and the, yeah. and the, and even more recently, like more of the, the Melbourne sort of techno doof sort of st- like videos and yeah like being influenced by them. That's probably where the more recent music um style has come from sort of like underground culture and um the yeah the like techno aspect and yeah that's pretty popular at the moment um with the boiler room sets and all that so yeah that's influenced us a lot okay how about you brandon yeah i got a musical background from like my father so like he's a musician so yeah growing up i just learned a couple of instruments and then found DJing and yeah, like holding, just watching like people that you know do it. And then like watching those after movies and boiler rooms and, you know, just wanted to go to clubs as a patron, just to go to the clubs and experience the music. Yeah. Kind of like, in, like inspires you to want to do it and like DJ and even have a crack at producing and stuff like that. So yeah, quite similar. Yeah. My father had a big influence though. Like he's a huge influence. Because he's heaps musical. What type of music and, and, does your dad play? Um, he can play blues. He um, like makes his own music in the studio oh, for okay. my mum's church and stuff. But um, yeah, so just stuff like that. Artists nowadays are trying to be a lot more versatile in their choice of genre, most of them choosing to adopt different aliases for the the music they play and the the style that they're representing. <laughs> Is this a direction that you guys uh, think will, you guys, is something, is this something you're interested in or is it, are you just strictly a, a house and that's the music you guys play live? Um, yeah, I think, well, the journey of music, it changes. Like our musical taste would change on the environment we're in and like what we're seeing and stuff and what we're hearing. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, it, it's, it started off obviously playing like, trap and dubstep music and then after a while it became you know house music and then after house you know tech house and then you know you go into your like subgenres and stuff like that the 50 million subgenres yeah yeah you start going in and in and you start dwelling in and in but yeah nasty boys really is just it's a it's a creative process you know we're not we're not putting an actual genre or you know, type of music per se to our name, whatever we're feeling in that, in that moment, or we're feeling in that, 
in that particular time of the year is all going to play yeah. and if we don't like it, then we don't care. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. A big topic that I'm going to be discussing with all my musical guests is obviously the Sydney lockout laws, which have affected the industry over the last couple of years. And obviously you got, with you guys playing at clubs in Sydney, it's probably affected you as well. Um, just from your perspective, how have the lockout laws changed the Sydney club scene over the last couple of years? Oh, I can speak for me and Holden on that. I think the lockout laws. So when we started, we were already a part of the lockout laws. You yeah. know? So we didn't really experience the nightlife when it wasn't lockout. So all we know is like the lockout lockout laws and we just yeah. worked around it. But um, yeah, I mean... You hear story, we heard stories from our cousins and um, our older friends about how it used to be and partying all night and DJing all night and musical freedom and stuff. And it sounds all cool, it sounds amazing and everything, but even the experience we had during lockout laws, um, is ama- it was amazing. Like, we yeah. worked with what we had and we loved every minute of it. You know, I, I reckon personally, it didn't completely affect us because we didn't know it, we didn't really know much else. But, um, yeah, no, it was, it sounded like back in the day, it was absolutely insane. And I couldn't <laughs> even fathom how someone could stay out till 4 a.m. and then choose another club and keep yeah. going. But, yeah. but um, it was definitely a life that I think we, we wish we lived. But you, you can't really say you want that if you don't know what it's really like, you know. Yeah, that's I true. Think, I think the lockout laws obviously were put in place, you know, definitely have had a big impact on businesses and stuff. But I think that it was a reaction to what was going on at the time in terms of a violent city and stuff like that. Yeah. We also have to keep in mind, this isn't something I don't think anyone wished to happen, but what can you do when you, you run out of options to keep people's safety? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially Priority. with all the, yeah, as you spoke with the violence um, and all the stuff that was going on. Um, no, I, I completely agree with you, but just from that, obviously, yeah, just from that perspective, obviously you don't remember that time, but you've heard stories. Yeah. Is there anything that the government can be doing to kind of help grow, uh, that club scene back? You know, DJs have spoken about, you know, obviously their careers and, you know, if you're a full-time DJ, your job is being affected by this. Is there anything you think that the government can be doing to kind of help these businesses, keep growing and even uh, open new ones? I think the government can, needs to understand that the problem isn't drug use and stuff. Yeah. Like, it isn't that. Like, it's about people understanding what they're taking. Yeah. And you, you find that most of the people that are having these overdoses, most of the people that are violent aren't people that are usually going to these events. Yeah. You know, they're not people that like, I understand the culture. It's more people that don't really know what they're doing, you know, or have a really short temper and come out for one, one night and ruin it for all. It's not, it's not the actual culture. The culture is beautiful. The culture isn't about that. The government is to um, give Sydney a chance to make mistakes and learn rather than make mistakes and just say, oh, no, fuck that off. Like, <laughs> we'll do that ever again, because that's not going to teach us anything. It's yeah. only going to lose jobs for people that have had a job for such a long time, create depression from job loss, and pretty much say that our city isn't supporting 
um, live music or supporting music at all. It, it, they're, they're better off just saying that than saying, oh, well, you can do this for, for this amount of time and have this many people because that doesn't really mean a business can open, open up again. That's yeah. just saying, oh, if you have enough money in your business, you can have 15 people and a DJ play there with 1.5. That doesn't really help many people, you know? I yeah. think what the government can do is find ways to ensure the safety of the patrons is the priority, whether it be testing before or after, whether it be, you know, uh, more better licensing, you know, more security guards, whether it be just just giving giving all the other alternatives a go that may may seem really tricky and hard to um hard to work around just due to like the amount of money money to put in but i reckon the outcome from working around the the, the little hurdles of getting our nightlife back together will have the support of all of us you know you're not going to yeah. have the support of us if we can't do anything that's when you're not we're not going to support you but if you tell us hey you know you can dj if you have this many security guards and around these hours, we're going to work with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I completely agree. When you speak about, um, in a, you, if we go to a more broader uh, perspective and talking about music in New South Wales in general, there's been a big, you know, push in the last couple of years from the government to kind of get rid of the, some of these music festivals. Are you, first off, are you obviously against that because it's, you know, destroying music, but at the same time, are you for pill testing as well at festivals? Because that seems to be a big debate that's going on at the moment. Um, pill testing, yes, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm, I'm big for that. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm even speaking on holding. That's we right. are big on pill testing. I think it, it makes sure that a, a couple of people can't ruin it for everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, once you understand what you're taking, if you're going to take it, you have the the conscious decision to take it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, no I like totally you're, agree. You're, you're, you fully understand what you're doing to yourself, the harm you're doing to yourself. And I think most people will turn around and be like, I'm not going to do that because that's not what I thought it was. Yeah. You know? And it will also encourage an environment where we look out for one another, you know? Yeah. Rather than have someone, you know, take X amount of pills and whatever. If you know, if they know what's in them, and make them be like, hey, let's just not have that. Let's just go in and have some fun. And yeah, that will stop a lot, a lot of the overdoses, a lot yeah. of the problems, a lot of the violence, a lot of everything. In fact, it'll, it'll make the music festivals and the clubs become more pure, more yeah. about like, if you want to be there, you're there. You're not there to just like knock yourself out on, you know, X drug or X amount of blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you're there to, you're there to have a good time and it's also saving lives at the same time, right? I think they exactly. did it. They did a test um, because they've done it in the AZT for a couple of years now. And mm. they had, I think, it, um, I'm not sure the actual statistics, but I think it was around 50 people and they found three pills that were actually, you know, deadly and had, you know, rat poison or, you know, some other weird shit in it. Yeah. I just, from my perspective, and I'm sure you agree as well, I just don't understand why it hasn't been put in place already. Exactly. Why would it? Why would it not be put in place? Because once someone hears, "Oh, this pill has meth and rat poison," they'd yeah. have to be an absolute lunatic to take it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I think I think it's just once they acknowledge that that's what's in it. I think most. I, I'm actually hoping that most, 
if like all people would be like, nah, that's not for me. And then we can party, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you know, then we can then we can actually get along with it. But it's not fair these um festivals when innocent people are getting searched, yeah. you know, strip searched and harassed and violated. And their stories, they're trying to project their stories on platforms like Facebook and whatnot, but it, it's not reaching the right people. But those people are traumatized, you know what I mean? They won't ever yeah. go to a festival again and they've done nothing. Well, have you have you been strip searched at a festival? I just I just don't understand that either. I think I actually just, have not, but I've had a friend yeah. who has it's been just, strip searched. Yeah. Um for no reason. And he had nothing on him, but he said the experience was quite weird. Um he didn't feel like it was within his rights and everything. And yeah, there's not much opportunity to like to kind of speak to them. They just want to get it done. And then when they get it done, they don't even let you back in most of the time. Really? They kick you out? They, they either kick you out if you're, if you're a bit too mouthy or they yeah. just say, oh, yeah, they kind of like say, um, yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on you. And it keeps the person on edge for a little bit. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You can't really go into the festival after having an experience like that and feel like yeah. I'm comfortable to be here. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, I just think it will make you so uncomfortable and just ruin the experience for you. An experience you paid, you know, a hundred and something dollars for. Yeah, um, especially yeah, no. for females, man. Like, for yeah, females, yeah, I can imagine. By men, and like, you know, just it's just. Well, it's I just think they, men. I think they have to be searched by a, a male police officer allowed to strip search females. I've heard, I've, I've, I've read stories where it has been there has been males present. Wow, females, that's, just, but, that's wrong. That's completely. But wrong. like, you know, you're not going to hear people aren't posting good stories. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of good stories that that went well, and actually they've actually discovered a lot of um, things that they needed to discover for that moment. But they had they, the the bad stories that I have read haven't been haven't been things where I'm like, oh well, you're actually in the wrong as the patron. Actually, it's actually been like you're in the wrong as the enforcer. You know, as the police force, you guys are definitely in the wrong. Over the last couple of years, um, what festivals have you and Holden, obviously no festivals this year, uh, yeah. but what festivals have you and Holden attended over the last year? And if, if anyone's listening, that's looking to maybe want to go to one of these big festivals like Lost or um, Falls in the future, which one would you recommend? Oh, festivals, there's been a few. Um, we were going to go subsonic, but that cancelled. But apparently, that's a really amazing festival. I did buy yeah. that was even my first doff, actually. Oh, subsonic. okay. But um, for ones in the future, days like this, you can never go wrong. Yeah. Days like this can never go wrong. Field day, it's a good one if you can get up, if you can back it up on the field on the New Year's Day. <laughs> they always have amazing artists there, but it's all about backing it up and yeah. keeping your new keeping your New Year's Eve uh, a bit more tame. Yeah. Uh, Listen Out's also a great one. Uh, what else? There's a, there's a lot of great ones, you know. And the, yeah. and the best part about festivals is sort of always about the ones that, um, that are commercialised or the mainstream ones, you know. There's yeah. a lot of underground ones and stuff. There's a few festivals that even hold them. Have, has been asking me to go to. I haven't gone to yet, but, like, they, they pull off some amazing festivals. And not many people from the city know about them, but, like, things like Pitch in Melbourne... Yeah, pitch is that pitch. Yeah. There's another one. Oh, there's another one he went to that looked absolutely like to die for. What type of music is it? Rainbow Serpent. Rainbow he, Serpent. He's always, he's yeah. always going on about that. 
And um, <laughs> I never stopped fucking hearing about that. But um, yeah, those are just a few. But um, I mean, if you haven't been to festivals before, my biggest, biggest, biggest tips I'd give you, start yeah. off with the day ones, couple of mates. Don't think you have to go overly hard because it's a long day. And no matter what you do, what you take, whatever you drink, it's going to, you're going to wear off. So just enjoy it. Go, go there because you want to go there. Yeah, exactly. And you'll make the most of it. Oh, the another festival. I do recommend Ultra. Not because I've played oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> Ultra had, um, it was really cool. Really the diverse. first one you should have said, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Ultra, yeah. They had the resistance stage for people that love techno. And dearie me, that resistance stage. Yeah. Whoa. That was, that. yeah, that was an experience. But Ultra's definitely, yeah, in my number one festivals and it comes back come and watch that like don't give it a bad rap because it's really mainstream it's really 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 fun it's an amazing festival that's set up absolutely immaculately it feels like you're not even in sydney when you're there that's how well, <laughs> well where, where is it? it's out in Parramatta, right it's at Parramatta park i'm not sure if they're going to change locations when it comes back but when, when we played it was Parramatta park yeah oh, okay is there a plan to hopefully play there next year I mean, hope so. I mean, hopefully we did we did enough. Yeah, hope so. Got to talk to Jordan about that. But um, yeah, we're not really picky, you know. We just take what we take and take what we love. That um, anything we can do that we love, yeah. That leads into my next question, which is um, looking at the next ten years for you guys. Obviously, it's a, a bit far into the future, but let's let's look at it from a more holistic approach. So we'll look at the next two to three years um, as you guys, as nasty boys. Uh, what are your aspirations and what festivals are you looking to play at? Are you looking to just stick to the Sydney club scene or do you guys want to, you know, go play play all over Australia or maybe even internationally as well? Um, next 10 years, I reckon definitely crack into producing soon. Yeah. As soon as we can. We have made a few edits and stuff that we play out, but really finding like um our own material, original material, but we still we still dabble here and there in it. Also, just you know, we love we we love taking over events. That's something we did a lot of in the last year. Yeah. Running events at different venues and stuff. So that that's definitely on the cards. I think we're actually in talks about running an event soon. Oh, within the restrictions and stuff. So yeah, next 10 years, just just keep grinding, you know? Keep yeah. getting ourselves out there, keep doing what we love. And festival-wise, you know, anything that is um, house music, anything that can allow us to play what we, we want to play will be there. We're not really... Definitely. You Definitely. know, obviously, Tomorrowland, if you hear me, you know? <laughs> Whatever you want, we're ready. Pure, you know? Yeah. Just, I'm always here, pure. Boiler room, you know, just... <laughs> are there any boiler rooms in sydney i've heard a couple of them a couple of like underground ones that have happened yeah but um but there's not yeah, actually a club that's a boiler room yeah well i don't think it's actually ever a club i think it's just the yeah. the, the brand boiler room goes to a location oh. and um, runs an event there yeah i don't think it's an actual club oh boiler rooms are boiler rooms are brand yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a brand. Like, oh. it's actually a club called Boiler Room. It's oh, actually a brand that. that just travels around the world and puts the Boiler Room set up with artists that are big in that area. Like, it can go oh, anywhere. Oh, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not oh, like um, Chinese Laundry where it just stays there. It's, it, it goes around the world. Oh, fantastic. 
Is that yeah. something you and Holden would be interested in doing? Does that suit yes, your musical? Please. Yes, please and thank you. <laughs> yes, that's something we love to do. We love a really intimate, intimate crowd. That's why we love Civic, playing at Civic and stuff. Like, intimate yeah. crowd, nice and close to you. Big speakers, sweat. You know, I want to smell you. You know what I mean? I want to be like <laughs> right next to the people. I want to feel that love, and then 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 I can play the best. We we can play the best set ever. <laughs> is that is that where you play your best sets when you know you're standing two meters from someone? Hundred percent. Like we've played we played venue we played at home the venue and we've had like yeah. I don't know how many people but like full capacity at home the venue and that's yeah. amazing that we love that set. But you're really directing the crowd, like you're, you're, you know, you're moving for them, like you know what I mean. And it's, yeah. it, it, that's that's sometimes those are the best sets, but the really intimate ones, when you feel it, it reminds you. It reminds you when you're like you're a kid again, when you're like at a house party and your mates are there. It feels like everyone's mates, you know, everyone's there, yeah. vibing, yeah. just going hard. And it's just yeah, man, I, I kind of that experience, man. No one, no one can take that experience away from me. It's like the best thing ever. You have like you have like literally someone right next to you just sweating. Like you don't even know them. <laughs> behind you, in front of you. You're worried about the decks falling over. Like no yeah. drinks on the table kind of thing. That's how that's how intimate. Have you had any close calls with um you know oh, stuff mate. being spilt on decks or decks you falling over? You don't even want to know. Yes, yes, and yes. All the above. Yes, yes, definitely. But luckily enough we we try and keep it professional and make sure that never happens. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And what about Nasty Boy Entertainment? Are there plans to expand or are you just going to keep that going? Um, as right soon? now, we have a really good team of staff that are young and brilliant. Yeah. So the, the goal is to like pump them out into house parties like we started. Make them money as well, you know. You, you can make a lot of good money from doing what you love at, at a young age, which we learned when we were younger. And, you know, get them experience, show them, make them find the music they love. And then, like, like we tell our staff all the time, like, once you get to a position where you can play in clubs, we will put you on our takeovers. And that's what we do. We yeah. build them up, build them up, train them through house parties and stuff, get them confident. And then when they're 18, boom, where do you want to play, mate? And then wherever <laughs> they want to play, we'll put them in the right direction. And then that's kind of how we run. It's a big family. There's no bosses. It's just, we're just leaders. We lead them. We teach them how to do what we, what we did. Yeah. And no matter what comes from it, you know, we're, we're, we're proud of you. We're proud of them no matter what. You know, we know how much money went into the equipment, how many nights didn't work out the way they wanted. But through the ups and downs, they all know that we have their back. They have ours. And it's a good support system. You know, we help promote each other. We look after each other whatever we can do for each other we'll do it's a family yeah well that's awesome mate um that's all that's all the questions i have is there anything else you want to talk to talk to you know people to know or anything you got coming up that you want people to know about um we're a mixtape coming out august 14th yeah so keep your um ears and your eyes peeled for those that'll be a really cool mixtape having that one in a while we've got a few friends shout out to paul the horse Shout out to Cone Peace. Shout out to any people that have sent us tracks. We're going to put up a bunch of tracks from people that we love inside that podcast, inside that mixtape. Awesome. And um, it'll be really cool. And you can find that on our socials, Nasty Boy Holden, 
on Instagram, Nasty Boy official on Instagram for us. Uh, type in Nasty Boy AU on Google. We'll come up on Facebook, SoundCloud. And um, yeah, we're going to get into the the, mink, the mints of producing some original tracks, you know, work on some edits we had and get them polished. Awesome. But, well, I'm keen yeah. to see some stuff from you guys, man. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, so are we. It should be a bright future. Well, that's all we've got time for today on the JC podcast. I would just like to thank Brandon and Holden very much for being on. Unfortunately, Holden's had to pop out. Um, but <laughs> just on his behalf, Brandon, uh, thank you very much for being on the episode, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for listening to another episode of the JC Podcast. If this is your first time listening, be sure to head over to either our Facebook page or Instagram account to check out some more exclusive content. We're also expanding to YouTube in the future to make our content more accessible to everyone. So be sure to check that out when that comes out. For now, thank you and catch you next time.